For decades, Hi, the world thought that our brains would never change, that we were stuck podcast. with the brains we were born with. But modern neuroscience has turned that old belief on its head. We can change our brains. So if you or someone you know suffers from a difficulty in reading, reading comprehension, writing, spelling, or math, you can change that. Maybe you've been diagnosed with dyslexia, dyscalculia, or dysgraphia. There's hope. Modern science calls this neuroplasticity, the ability for our brains to form new neurons and new neural connections. No one knows everything about neuroplasticity yet. It's pretty cutting-edge science. However, a lot of evidence suggests that certain body exercises can trigger it. We call these exercises bilateral coordination exercises or BCEs. We've put a lot of BCEs in the learning success system. If you've been struggling for years trying to overcome a learning difficulty, if you've tried everything, then the answer might be the learning success system. Get rid of that I'm just not good at dot 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 attitude and start making a change for the better. If your solution has been to just try harder, there's an easier way. If you have a difficulty in reading, writing, spelling, or math, there's an underlying cause. If you don't get at that underlying cause, then just trying harder only leads to frustration. The learning success system breaks down the components of learning. You'll find the weak spots and work on them. Instead of studying harder, find the underlying cause. Sure, that's a little work, but it's so much less work than suffering with the learning difficulty for a lifetime. Get started on the learning success system today. Go to www.learningsuccesssystem.com. I'll see you there. Anna Roberts, Learning Success Blog Contributor, poses the age-old question, Is physical fitness related to academic aptitude? Her article, entitled Do Fit Kids Do Better in School, addresses this question and some of its finer points. Her answer to this question is a resounding, absolutely. It has been shown time and again that not only does exercise improve alertness and focus in the immediate, but overall fitness improves brain functionality across the board in the long term. According to recent studies, Ms. Roberts states, children who are physically fit consistently test higher in math than their less active counterparts. This is double good news for students with learning disorders. Not only does physical movement alleviate the symptoms of such disorders as ADD and ADHD, and in some cases dyslexia, as a break from focusing on all those dancing letters, it can help them improve their studies when they finally do return to the books. Another resource Ms. Roberts cited was the PLOS1 online journal. They did a case study on a small group of children to see how well they scored in math as relative to their endurance levels during play. Unsurprisingly, the children with higher levels of physical endurance scored considerably higher on the academic test than their peers. This observation opens doors to all kinds of different theories. One in particular is that the frontal cortex and hippocampus, fancy words for specific parts of the brain involved in learning, become improved with exercise. Yet another direct link between physical fitness and learning. Disconcerting, however, is the word I would use to describe Ms. Roberts' follow-up to this information. Currently, there are no regulations on physical education in our school systems. Something so simple and across-the-board beneficial to our children and students, and yet there is very little regulation on the matter. Because of this, PE and recess get shortened little by little as the years go by. There are two takeaways from this information. First of all, and most important, make the most of your time at home. 
Homework needs to be done, yes, absolutely. But physical activity is just as important to learning as books. A fit child is a learning child, and an active body is an active mind. These things may sound cliche, but they are absolutely true. The second takeaway is that we need to be active ourselves. Not so much physically, although that is important, but active advocates for our child's recess and physical education. Speak with the teachers. Get with the other parents. Make it a priority to advocate for more physical activity in schools. Another fun way to improve learning is through games. That will certainly be music to students' ears. Sadly, kids, not just any game will do. In an article on Edutopia, Vicki Davis goes in-depth on understanding the basic concept and setup of games, the difference between games and simulations, gives a rubric for choosing the right game for your classroom, and explains a range of different types of games and their relative benefits. I'll give you the breakdown of her guide to game-based learning. First of all, what a game is. The characteristics of a game are as follows. Multiple levels or challenges. This helps keep kids interested. If there's no leveling up or aspect of challenge, then in their minds there is no point, especially with students with ADHD. The leveling up gives them something clear to focus on. As a gamer and a sufferer of ADHD myself, I can attest to this. It is the goal-oriented aspect of different games, not even just competing, but achievement, that really makes the difference in whether or not a game holds my attention. And as a learning tool, if a game doesn't hold students' attention, it's pretty well worthless. A compelling or intriguing storyline. This goes hand in hand with what I was saying about holding their interest. It's an added layer of focus and something else going on so that the students don't get bored. That is the last thing you want. So the more engaging you can make it, the better. A personalized, unique experience for each learner. This one, to me, is not nearly as critical a point. Lots of games like World of Warcraft, Unturned, even popular board games like Monopoly and Pictionary. The experience for each gamer is roughly the same. And each time you play, while there may be slight differences, is pretty consistent. While it's nice to have a bit of variety or several options for storylines, don't think everything has to be unique in order to be fun and engaging and effective. Rewards. Yes, yes, and more yes. This is absolutely necessary. It proves there is a point and it gives focus to the energy spent during game time. Even if it is as simple as Team A beats Team B if you get more points, that gives the students something to focus on and will make it more effective. Additional rewards or feedback from the teacher or classroom. Well, the more rewards the better, so go for as many as you can reasonably squeeze in. The article, a very interesting read, goes on to explain differences between simulations in computer games, single versus multiplayer, and one-time versus persistent games. It's a very detailed look at games in the classroom and how to choose the right ones, so I encourage you to check it out. Now we'll have a break, and we'll discuss brainy hacks and math apps when we return. For decades, the world thought that our brains would never change, that we were stuck with the brains we were born with. But modern neuroscience has turned that old belief on its head. We can change our brains. So if you or someone you know suffers from a difficulty in reading, reading comprehension, writing, spelling, or math, you can change that. Maybe you've been diagnosed with dyslexia, dyscalculia, or dysgraphia. There's hope. Modern science calls this neuroplasticity, the ability for our brains to form new neurons and new neural connections. No one knows everything about neuroplasticity yet. It's pretty cutting edge science. 
However, a lot of evidence suggests that certain body exercises can trigger it. We call these exercises bilateral coordination exercises or BCEs. We've put a lot of BCEs in the learning success system. If you've been struggling for years trying to overcome a learning difficulty, if you've tried everything, then the answer might be the learning success system. Get rid of that I'm just not good at dot 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 attitude and start making a change for the better. If your solution has been to just try harder, there's an easier way. If you have a difficulty in reading, writing, spelling, or math, there's an underlying cause. If you don't get at that underlying cause, then just trying harder only leads to frustration. The learning success system breaks down the components of learning. You'll find the weak spots and work on them. Instead of studying harder, find the underlying cause. Sure, that's a little work, but it's so much less work than suffering with the learning difficulty for a lifetime. Get started on the learning success system today. Go to www.learningsuccesssystem.com. I'll see you there. Learning success contributor Judy Hanning published an article called Five Brainy Hacks That Will Make You Smarter, which I absolutely love. It's a short read, but a very good one. In it, she gives, as the title suggests, five suggestions or hacks for challenging yourself, engaging your brain, and increasing your capacity for learning. This can be applied to all students, but particularly ones with learning disorders. They are as follows. Number one, seek novelty. I love that this one is mentioned first. So often, we do the same things over and over. I did this for a long time with languages. I've been studying Spanish for years. I love studying languages, and I'm pretty good at it but I kept going back to the same one without variation. And while I enjoyed it, I would always stop. It was so familiar to me. And though I knew intellectually that I didn't know all I could about the language, I just couldn't shake the feeling that it was old hat. And once you've studied the same new language for 10 years, it kind of is. Then, when the opportunity presented to work in Germany, I studied basic German simply to pass the A1 requirement for the visa. The job didn't work out, but the shift in language was incredibly refreshing. The novelty of studying a different language, and one that was incredibly similar to English, which Spanish is not, was just what I needed to regain my interest in learning languages. Now, I'm back to studying both languages and enjoying it far more than in past years, simply because I tried something new. Number two, challenge yourself. The idea of this one is to point out that playing the same old brain games over and over won't make you smarter. It will simply make you good at playing those particular brain games. You need to increase the level or switch to a different style. It goes hand in hand with the novelty concept. If you do the same things over and again, it will only expand your brain so much. Once you've gotten the hang of it, you need to move on to something else for continued expansion. Remain in a constant state of discomfort, as Ms. Hanning says in the article. Number three, think creatively. In this, Ms. Hanning stresses the use of both sides of the brain. Studies have shown that students who use creative and multimodal means of studying non-creative subjects scored higher on cognitive tests than students who use non-creative methods. Basically, if you're studying something, it's best to use both sides of the brain. This can also be flipped on its head to think non-creatively about creative subjects. If you're studying music, treat it like math. You may be able to retain the information more quickly if both sides of your brain are engaged. Number four, do things the hard way. This isn't just a mental trick. You can use it in the literal sense as well. 
Take the stairs, not the elevator. Use a map, not GPS. Engaging your mind and body to their fullest potential will improve your awareness and increase your confidence. Lastly, number five, network. This one is very important in the learning process. I took this to a global level, and I now have contacts in South Korea, Japan, Spain, and now Australia. From this vast network, I have gained understandings of new cultures, languages, ways of life, methods of doing things, education structures, foods. Everything is just a little bit different from one place to the other. The same principles can be applied on the micro level. Every person you network with is different from the rest in some way. You have the opportunity to learn something new from everyone you meet. Why not take advantage of it? Our last subject of the day is math apps. Can math apps help children succeed? In a learning success article of the same title, Kara Skarda replies in the affirmative, but with conditions. A well-made math game, with perhaps an interesting storyline and reward system, can keep a child engaged much longer and more efficiently than a math textbook. Not to say that it replaces the textbook, but if your child is engrossed in a tablet post-study, wouldn't it be nice if it were expanding their knowledge rather than just whiling away the time? Ms. Scarta posits that, though it does not replace real-life guidance and learning from teachers or parents, math games and apps can indeed help some children become better at math and learning in general. However, as I said, there are conditions. Math apps that are rote memorization and incessant drilling will not be effective, as they are simply a textbook in tablet form. The child will lose interest and go back to playing Minecraft or Dragon City. One app in particular, though, called Was It Trouble?, has solid research backing it, saying it is effective, engaging, and increases learning in some children. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next episode. Thank you for listening to the Learning Success Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you have learned something useful, something that you can take back and improve your life with today. If you would like to say thank you, the best way for you to do that is to share this podcast with a friend. Help us help others along this journey. And if you haven't already, please rate and comment on the podcast. Every rating helps us and helps this podcast get out to more people. We appreciate it and we appreciate you. Thank you again and make today a great day. No one should have to live with a learning difficulty.